Jesus, praise the Lord. I'm not going to spend some more time today. I don't want us to spend a lot of time. Praise the Lord. Okay, so I have two questions. 
Are we together? The microphone is going to come to you, so get ready. I have two questions. Why did Jesus die? First question. Second question, why did Jesus, why was Jesus resurrected? Yeah, that's it. Why did Jesus die? Why was Jesus resurrected? So who wants to help us? If the two questions have the same answer, you can say that too. If they have different answer, say what the answers are. So who's gonna help us? Okay, thank you. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Jesus died to reconcile us back to the Father. And then Jesus rose to give us authority and dominion over the earth again. Praise the Lord. Do we agree with her? Does anybody have something else to say? Okay, please take the mic. <laughs> Does anybody else have something to say? Ah, you must have one. Please give me the mic. Timmy, help me. Please let me give Mr. Prince. The death, death and resurrection of Jesus. What it means? Okay, why? I would say that Jesus died to fulfill the heartbeat of the Father, which from the beginning has been to share his glory with man. In the beginning, when he made man in, the, in his image, man lost the glory. Ever since then, God has been looking for ways to restore man to the original state, which is his purpose, his actual mind for man. So Jesus came to fulfill the heartbeat of the Father. He came to fulfill the dream and the vision of the Father for man. Hallelujah. Sasharan. Sasharan. Um, I know we are trying not to say the most common answer for really. Yes. I didn't know. But the truth is Jesus died for the forgiveness of our sins. Okay. You know, um, I think Romans 5 19 said, through the disobedience of one man, many were made sinners. So Adam sin and um, I don't know, but Jesus died as an atoning sacrifice for us. Jesus was the perfect man that never okay. sinned. So he was the perfect person to come and take away all our sins. Hallelujah. You didn't say why he, he rose. Is, is, is it the same answer? Is it the same thing? He rose. Okay, why he rose? Mm. I mean, his death would have His sufficed. death was forgotten. So uh, yeah. He rose that. You know, the Bible says, no. And uh, what is that thing that the Bible says again? Say what the Bible says. Oh, paraphrase it. will help you. That thing that, like, we are dead in Christ. Now we are made alive and new. <laughs> Jesus rose to make us know that he did just die and make us, like, that resurrection was, we are now born afresh. Mm. Born and new, born and life, without sin, without blame, without you know all those things. Hallelujah. So I have a question. 
The sacrifice of Jesus, would it have been complete if Jesus had just died, if he hadn't risen? Why? I mean, the, the oh, Bradan has something to say. Because I think the law says without the, the um, shedding of blood, there is no atonement of sin. Now, Jesus' blood had been shed. I mean, that could have sufficed. It couldn't. Why? Oh, hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Just like um, Brother Prince said, the original plan for, for God with man was um, his presence with man. Man failed. So that lost glory has been the, the, the problem of religion today. That lost presence. That's the insertion of religion. They are just looking for that God's presence. And God's presence cannot be found anywhere. It's only in Christ. Okay. Now, that was why he came to die, to restore mankind back to himself. By the Bible says that for it was God who was in Christ, reconciling the world to himself. Now, that was the original reason why he came to die, to restore mankind back to himself. Now, the original purpose, now why he resurrected from the dead, is to give us the glorious life. The, 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 the resurrection life is to bring us the kind of body, like you were teaching in one of the Bible studies classes, that is Jesus really a spirit being? What kind of body does he have? You know, I meditated through that particular thing. I realized that the kind of body he brought for us, even though we are in this flesh, this body now, we can also function in that kind of body. But we need to understand why he raised from the dead for us. So we can live that glorious life. The Bible says he brought life and immortality to life through the gospel. So when we say that that kind of life is what the kind of life we have now, is the life of the Father. The life that he shared with the Father. That's the life he brought to us. That's the resurrection life. That's the, the kind of life he wants to So when you are in church this morning, as you leave the church, you are not the kind of person that you are. You are, you are the child of God. God is a spirit. You are a spirit being. You are not influenced by the control of this world. That's the life he brought for us. So we can know that we are above all. Somebody talked about authority. It's the life of authority. So every, all the answers are the same and correct. In, yes. <laughs> The reason why I ask is because a lot of people don't know why they do what they do. It's a problem. You don't know why you do what you do. You just do it. So there's no conviction. And so when there's a little discouragement, you stop. You, you just, you know, you just let go. Because there was no conviction in the first place. So it's always good. I, I, I'm not one of those Christians that say, you don't ask questions. I mean, that's the purpose why you study. Why? Okay, why, why is this thing like this? The only problem is when you begin to ask why in the wrong places or to the wrong people, let me put it that way. But when you ask why, the Holy Ghost would help you answer that question. Praise the Lord. So everybody's answer is correct. In fact, I didn't even see it in the light of Mr. Prince, in the light of blessing. I had something else in mind, right? I'm blessed, praise the Lord. So, simply put, 
Jesus' death was to pay. That's what redemption is. When you buy plenty in Dome, and they tell you bring 40 rappers to the redemption center. Because 40 wraps of Indomie equals a backpack. So the backpack is there. You need to redeem the backpack with 40 wraps of Indomie. The first time I heard Redemption Center was on TV, Advance, Indomie. That was the first time I heard. Praise the Lord. So when I read Redemption, that's what comes to my mind. Redeem. Ransom. You want to pay for something. There's an exchange. So, Jesus' death was for our redemption. Now, his resurrection is like a receipt that he has paid. So, we have a proof that he died for you because he's alive on the throne. So we're still talking about righteousness. The proof of your righteousness is the resurrection of Jesus. Praise the Lord. The reason why I said that is I want to talk about something. There's, there's something that has been in my heart. You know, when we talk about righteousness, 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 people that don't understand righteousness, they they behave anyhow. So when you see Christians with very poor character, they don't understand what righteousness is. When you see Christians who don't know how to talk, they don't understand what righteousness is. Righteousness does not just mean that God has paid for your past, present, and future sins. It means that there is a life you have been called to live. That's the meaning. So he didn't just pay. He gave you a new life. Colossians 1.13 We've been translated from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of his dear son. So he didn't just say, I'll leave you there. I'll pay for you. You know, he brought you in. Praise the Lord. So his resurrection is a proof of your righteousness but then what is the life of righteousness a senior colleague was talking to me the other day and i was like ah joy are you done for the day i said yes i'm i'm going home this was like one text because i was on morning shift and i'm going home he said ah ah i said yes i better so when you go home what are you going to do i said nothing much if there's like i watch nickelodeon Nobody should judge me. I watch Nickelodeon. I like cartoon. So I, I was like, I, I watch Nickelodeon and then do a few things. He said, Dazzle. I said, Yes. He said, So you don't go out, you don't hang out. I said, Not really. He said, Ah. Then he said something that made me, I, I, I did realize I was thinking about it on the way. He said, Where will you start to live your life? I laughed, and uh, Dr. Asha only leave me joke, you know, and I walked away. But then I started thinking about it. Is it true that I'm not living my life? Is it true that I'm actually not living my life? So the question, what kind of life have I, have I been called to live? That's the question. Why would 
somebody see the, the lack of social activities in my life and decide that I am not living my life. His judgment of living life is faulty. It's faulty. You know, I used to say that everything is relative in life. I'm telling you, happiness is relative. What makes you happy is not what makes you happy. It's relative. The only thing that is not relative is the truth. The truth is the truth. It's not relative. So somebody will not say, eh, what you say is the truth. It might not be what I say is the truth. I say, well, but that's your problem. My own reality is the Bible. So the Bible is my own. And so I base, this is the standard. Every other thing is built on this form. Praise the Lord. I'm going somewhere. So, what is the life of a righteous man? We've been talking about righteousness. You are righteous. You are righteous. You, 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 you know, you can stand before God without any sense of guilt or condemnation. You are righteous. So, how do I apply that in my daily activities? What's the, what's the correlation? How do I apply it? In my, because if you cannot apply the message from the pupils in your life, then you've not learned. Let me put it that way. Praise the Lord. So, Second Corinthians 4, 4, let me see. Okay, 5. Praise the Lord. Paul talking to this Corinthian church. This is his second letter. If you're not following me, let me know. Second, five, second Corinthians 5, 14. It says, For the love of Christ constraineth us. Paul is the one talking. For the love of Christ constraineth us. Because we first judged, judged that if one died for all, then we're all dead. 15. And that he died for all. That they which live should not henceforth live unto themselves, but unto him which died for them and rose again. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. So it says, if he died, there's a translation on my phone, um, TPT. It says, one person died for everybody so that everybody can partake from his life. Meaning that when you begin to live, you don't live for yourself anymore. You live for the one that gave his life for you. Praise the Lord. So we've been called to live a life of righteousness. Now question, what is the life of righteousness? Is the life of righteousness a sanctimonious life? Sharon was telling me the other day, now what for you? Remain small before become SU. I say her. Why? That's her judgment from physical appearance. She said, remain small. I for become SU. That's human way of judging what they think righteousness should be. So I'm going to ask you a question. This is my last question. I will take it up from there and round up. What do you think a righteous life 
should look like. The life of a righteous man. What should the life of a righteous man, and I would love if you have scriptures, please. What should the life of a righteous man look like? Now that you know that you are righteous. So, you want to put your life beside the mirror. What's the mirror? What's the mirror? The word, thank you. The word. So now you're putting your life beside the word, which is the mirror. What should be the reflection? What are you supposed to see? Who's going to open the floor? Because everybody will talk. Hey, God. If I was a lecturer, and they would fear me. So who's going to start? Where is the microphone? Come, come, come. You are my people today. Timmy looks so handsome. <laughs> so who is <laughs> Mr. Sunday? <laughs> who is going to start? Ah, Mr. Prince. Timmy, you are my assistant. Okay, the question is, what should a righteous life look like? Yes. Uh, I would say a righteous life should be alive as human beings. A righteous life should be still a human life that manifests the attributes of God. Hallelujah. We're still human. It's still a, a human life mm-hmm. that manifests the attributes. Like you said, we should back it up in scripture. The Bible says in the days of the disciples of Jesus that they were first called Christians at because they were like Christ. Yes. It, it's not in Christ in that they look like him physically. Mm-hmm. Probably I wouldn't know the actual physique of Jesus. Maybe he was slim, handsome, or maybe ugly. Sorry. Uh, but they, 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 what they manifest, what they manifested, I personally I want to believe it had to do with excellence. Okay. Because I think in the manifestation of Daniel in the Old Testament, the Bible says that an excellent spirit was found in him. Mm-hmm. I think it had to do with how they did what they did. Mm. It was not just the normal way every other human being was doing it. They targeted excellence. It had to be the way God would have done it. It had to be the way Jesus would have done it. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. That is the, the righteous way. Hallelujah. Excellence. Please be right to know this is the class. Excellence number one. Excellence. 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 You are a Christian and you dress anyhow. You do things anyhow. That's not the righteous life. That's not the life of a righteous man. It was when I came back from school I stopped my sisters from going to the bus stop with helmets. Now, please cannot step out of the house without bathroom. Before, bedroom slippers, so, and hair, oh, you have forgotten that past. She said, me, no. She, I'm blessing. Hair net. <laughs> Don't worry. You have selective amnesia in that area. Me, I remember everything. <laughs> so, what, what I'm trying to say is, the spirit of excellence, and, and like Brapri said, Daniel, I was studying the book of Daniel the other day. Daniel outlived three kings. And every king that came required the service of Daniel. The, the service of Daniel was so important in his kingdom, in their kingdom. Like, it's like the, the, the administration from the previous king would tell the new king, see, oh, there's this man. The spirit of excellence has been found in him. You know, and truly, Daniel was excellent. The Bible says that when his, uh, uh, the people that were envious of him, when they wanted to fault him, 
they looked through his life, they could not find anything to fault him. It means that in his administrative duties, Daniel was excellent. There was nothing to fault him. In fact, when I read it, I told myself, I'm an excellent doctor. I'm an excellent doctor. My patients will know there's a difference. They could not fault him. The only way they could now fault him was in terms of God. So they had to make a law that would make him. Because even at that, they knew Daniel would not compromise. Praise the Lord. Excellence. I don't want us to go so much, but excellence is so important. Praise the Lord. So please, take home, number one, excellence. The way you look. Praise the Lord. Let me stop there. Brother, please. Isaiah 32, verse 17. Okay. It says, But the work of righteousness shall be peace. Okay. And the effect of righteousness, quietness, and assurance forever. So I see that um, the righteous man shall speak peace. You know, everywhere you go, they know that you carry a particular presence that radiates peace. Your atmosphere is peaceful. Mm. That's one of the attributes of a righteous person. Mm. And also, I try to correlate it with the fruits of the Spirit. Mm -hmm. So it talks about them in Galatians chapter 5, verse 20 down. He said, For the fruit of the Spirit, because the righteous man is a spiritual man. So these are the things that comes out of his spirit. And that's how he lives his life. He said it's love. Mm. So the righteous man is full of love. He's full of love. And then it's also joyful. Every time you see him, he's excited. His life is full of joy. Brother, don't finish everything now. Okay, so and don't finish everything. many, many more like that. Hallelujah. So brother said three things. Peace, love, and joy. Peace. Peace. When I was in 300 level, somebody came to me and told me, Ah, oh, Joy, I just like, I just like you. I said, why? What happened? What happened? And the girl said, there's just something serene about you. You know why she said so? They just announced the date for an course. And it was very close. And we were not bidding. So everybody was panicking. And I just sat down, looking at everybody. Not be like that, don't read though. I knew I would do it. So I wasn't panicking like everybody else. So she came to me to ask me the reason why she was saying that was to know if I have, you know, other sources, you know. Maybe there's one tutorial or there's somebody that used to show me the way. They said this Enitoba Mogwe, Lomogwe. Esther, you understand what I mean? It has a song in my school. Enitoba Mogwe, Lomogwe, meaning that it's the one that knows the way, connection. Nano's book. <laughs> so she came to meet me to know if I had a... Because I didn't panic. I can't run around like a headless chicken. Because of what? I will read it now. I'll write it. Funny enough, I never failed. I ne actually never failed. And I didn't have time to read like that. I was so into fellowship. I didn't have time like that. But I never failed. Praise the Lord. Peace. 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 Second thing. Love. I don't want us to spend so much time, but it cannot be overemphasized. Did you hear Bartholomew in the movie that we saw Friday? 
He said the disciples are everywhere. Our greatest weapon is love. It's actually the greatest weapon, I tell you. It is the greatest weapon. Love, love, love. And you can only give what you have. You cannot give what you don't have. Meaning that to express the love of God, you need to understand how much God loves you. So you don't struggle. Let me tell you the truth. You don't struggle to love. Ah, it's hard though. Ah, that wicked man, it's hard to love, I beg. It's for divinity. It's not for me. No, it's for you. When you understand how much Jesus loves you. See, Daddy was showing me one video yesterday. He didn't know it was an excerpt from the Passion of Christ. He said, Joy, come and see. I said, Daddy, what are you showing me exactly? The video a bit the song. He said, both of them. <laughs> I said, Daddy, I don't like this video. It was where they were beating Jesus and he was beyond recognition. I said, Daddy, I don't like... That's why the film that we showed on on Friday didn't have that. I, I don't like it. I go, they cry. I don't like that kind of thing. But Jesus went through all of that for you. The people that were beating him were the people he died for. When you understand how much Jesus loves you, then you can love others. Praise the Lord. What's the last one? You said joy, 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 joy. If you check my phone, you see some songs I dance to. Hey, when I wake up in the morning like that, I dance to those songs. It gets me in the mood. I'm full of joy. Sometimes I confess it. So you don't have to ask me, Joy, how do you feel? I'll tell you how I feel. How I want to feel. I'll tell you how I want to feel. I'm full of joy. When somebody is disturbing me, you see me confessing I'm full of joy. So it's something you should practice. I'm full of joy. I'm telling you, eh? It will show in your body. It will show your body. A merry heart is good for the health. It will show your body joy, joy. And these are the things that the Holy Ghost pours through you. Praise the Lord. Anybody else? Mommy, Cora is going to talk today. Where's the mic? Please, man, just one. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Prophet hmm. um, said it all. Pastor Dan also said it all. I will, I will also uh, let me agree with what uh, the, the two of them said. Especially what Pastor Dan said. He talked about um, love. Yes, the life of a righteous person should be love because we have the, li- the love of God. We are loved. Just, just like what Pastor, uh, yes, what Pastor John is saying now. If you see, ask my children among my siblings, all of them are bring less key, quarrel. This one complain everywhere, but my, my own is, if they bring it to me, if, if they complain to me, I will just, in a very calm way, I will tell them my mind. They will be like two goes an hour for you can give no, no, they will start seeking me. The same thing goes with my mom. I, I would say the life of a natural person should be love. Even, even my place of work, I always tell them, 
if you don't love your, if you don't love the person you are seeing, it means you don't love God. That's what I tell them every morning. Then when it's my own turn for exhortation, I always tell them this. I think the life of a righteous person should be based on love. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Does anybody have anything else to say? Thank you so much, ma. Anybody else? Anybody else? Anybody else? Esther, you have something to say? You are eyeing your teacher. Lydia called Esther. Her eyes just went boom, boom. <laughs> you are eyeing your teacher. Hmm. Praise the Lord. I think if we go through Galatians 5, 22-23, the fruits of the Spirit, it mirrors the life of a righteous man. Praise the Lord. So when we go through all the attributes, I think that was the time we took a series on the fruits of the Spirit. Love, joy, and we eventually concluded that every fruit of the Spirit stems from love. Praise the Lord. Self-control. Gentleness. You want to say something, sir? I'm coming. There's time for question. Self-control, gentleness, humility. See, I talk about humility. Hey, if you know how God detests pride. And the thing about pride, I used to say it, pride is very subtle. Sometimes you don't even realize it. The way you answer somebody that asks you a question. Or the way you perceive what somebody has said. Sometimes it's pride. So the, the Bible, the Holy Spirit is the only one that can really show you. Can really, you know, show you. And that's why the place of studying the Bible can never be overemphasized. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. So there is a life to live. Like Pastor Chris used to tell us that time. God has called you to a higher life. It's a higher life. It's a higher life. A life of faith. The Bible says that we walk by faith and not by sensory perception. The life of faith is the everyday life of the righteous man. So when you say, my enemy was, my enemy was strong. I don't know in your mind, maybe you think you are speaking by faith. That's not faith, though. that's religion. And religion kills. You say my enemy was strong. It means that when you say was strong in your mind, you have translated it as sickness. It doesn't matter what you say. It's what is in your heart. If your heart and your mind don't agree, so there's no point. Don't say you were sick. Don't go deceive yourself. The life of faith would help you look for better vocabulary. Abi brother. We'll, look for be- we'll help you look for better vocabulary to express yourself. Oh, I felt a slight headache, but it's gone. You are still feeling it, but you've laid your hands on your head. It's gone. See, Meze, on Friday, I saw him walking out of the church, limping. I said, what happened to your leg? He said, he does not know. He just stood up and he felt a sharp pain on his knee. I said, what, so what are you waiting for? Lay your hands on that knee. You take me out as doctor, I'll give you a drug. Sorry, yo. Lay your hands on the knee, I'll come on it to get out. True, true. He put his hand on the knee and shouted, ah! And the next thing he did was, Atito is gone, oh. He's really gone, oh. See, I'm there. Atito is really gone, oh. Exercising your authority. 
it's certain little little things like that praise the lord you're not going to see you're not going to see the dramatic results you know like we watch uh, sometimes we watch healing school with pastor chris you see them you see him you know talk to people that have been bedridden for years and they come up if you don't get there in a day it has to start with small small things talk to your talk to your bag of rice talk to your bank account talk to your hair if you don't have front hair start saying you have front hair my friend that gave birth the other day her baby girl carried her kind of hair she doesn't have front hair she often telling me joy yo Esther no get front hair I said, so what did they wait for? Did they find cream? I beg, start confessing that your baby has front hair. She said, not true, not true. My baby has front hair. My baby has front hair. It sounds funny. But it's really the word of God in simple matters. There's power in your words. That's also the life of the righteous. You are conscious of your words. You don't talk anyhow. Praise the Lord. We're rounding up now. You don't talk anyhow. I can tell the character the kind of character you have by the words that you say. By the words that you say. If you are very quick to insult people, oh, that idiot. You think it's a joke. Can a stream bring out sweet and bitter water? No. And Pastor Lorenzo taught us that the righteous man is a tree of, who remembers? A tree of life. So you only dispense life you dispense nothing else but life that time I remember then in school my confession I used to say I'm, I'm, I'm like a well watered garden I'd be happy to say it I'm like everything around me comes alive if you come in contact with me you will come alive that used to be my confession I, I, I need to go back to my confessions if you come in contact with me, if there was anything dead about you, it will come alive. That used to be my confession in school. And I saw it happen. I'm serious. I saw it happen. People, people would tell me, Joy, I just like being in your company. There's just something that defines about our conversations. That should be your testimony. Praise the Lord. Even at your place of work. I'm not trying to say that you should be all sanctimonious and, you know, I joke the other day on the, on my, um, group whatsapp group at work they were complaining about salary and somebody said hey cash out i just wrote cash up i replied with cash up who, who understands what i was saying <laughs> you understand abby because there's a song called cash out cash up something 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 so immediately i put cash up everybody on the group shouted song and I was laughing you know, just to my friends are very free with me but I'm very careful I'm very conscious praise the Lord so let's be conscious of our words conscious of how you relate with your brother Sharon offended me yesterday morning and I scolded her and after a few minutes she came and said Andrea I'm sorry hey the thing I planned for her eh? immediately she said I'm sorry oh for her just went away and I smiled and that was the end. Praise the Lord. So we should learn to relate like that. When somebody talks to you in an offending manner, 
I was telling my sister the other day, sometimes you look at the intention, not the way it was brought. Is the intention from love? If, is this person talking to me from a place of love? Even if he's shouting at me like, Daddy, when you're sick, my daddy will not tell you, hey, let him. He will shout at you. Why are you sick? Will you stand up and take that drug? You will go, you can call the vets. Now me, now. Why are you going to drink my daughter for my headache? Now me, this. My daddy will shout at you, eh? But it's coming from a place of love. So you consider the intentions sometimes. It will make you, you, you will not be, you will not be offended easily. And when you're offended, you will let it go away. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Have you been blessed? So I hope with these few words of mine, I have been able to convince you. I can never confuse you. That you can live the life of a righteous man. You can. You can. When you wake up in the morning, you look at all those attributes. You say, I'm excellent. I'm full of love. I'm full of joy. You see me sometimes when I'm leaving worship, I'm jumping. Be there, be watching me. Don't be jumping your own jumping. I'm full of joy. I'm full of peace. You make this confession. It's your life. That's why Jesus died and rose to give you this life. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. So, brother has a question. I want to beat the time. I see brother, yeah. Sorry. Brother too. Mr. Dan. This my sister. Good morning, everybody. Good morning, sir. Yeah, my question goes this way. Hallelujah. Allah. How do we acquire all of this? And the second person go this way. How do we know that we carry this spirit? What spirit, sir? The fruit of the spirit. The fruit of Love. the spirit. Love. Okay. How do we acquire it? Okay. Number one. And number two. How do we know that we actually have this spirit? Hallelujah. So that's all. That paper looked like there was plenty more. Anybody, anybody, any, I, I know that we have students who can answer this question. Go, 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 go. Show me that you have been learning. Number one question, how do we acquire... Mr. Dan, acquire what? Mr. President, let's hear the question again. So please take it again. Please give him, my assistant, be active. Give Mr. Dan. My question goes like this. Number mm -hmm. one, how do we acquire the fruit of the spirit? And two, how do we know that we have this thing or we carry it? How do we acquire? And how do we know? Oh yeah, answer. No, brother, wait first. Hallelujah. <laughs> Hallelujah. Okay, how do we acquire the fruit of the spirit? Uh -huh. By receiving the Holy Spirit. When you give a life to Christ, you receive the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the one that manifests the fruits. And you know you have the fruit of the Spirit, because you have the Holy Spirit. 
blessing just like those professors. They know too much. They cannot communicate their knowledge. Please, can somebody else help us? She, I understand where she's going on, but she has not communicated it. Who else? Sister Sharon. Oh my God, another professor. To even say it's a very simplified manner. Okay. How would how can acquire the photos? How do you acquire? Yes. How, how do you acquire? know when you have acquired it? Very easy. And how do you know? Okay, okay. this one. How do you acquire? By saying, she said the Holy Spirit. By saying connected to divine. Divine is Jesus. In Jesus, we have everything. Full of free, love, joy, peace. That's how you can acquire it. If you are not in divine, who is Jesus? I don't think you can. I don't know. Okay, what's then the How do you answer? know you have it? Mm. Eh. Okay. Number one A and number one B. So, so she, you see that answer? That's what we used to say. You set question for yourself. That's not even the answer. You answered, how do you manifest it? That's not how you acquire it. How do you manifest? That's the answer you gave. Who else? Who else? Who else? Who else? Timmy, tell me something. You're my assistant, tell me something. Go, 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 show me. Mezzi, the mic is coming to you. These are my children in whom I am well pleased. Oh yeah, Timmy, give me soft. Ah. Oh yeah. Timmy, move soft, move soft, move soft. You are quiet. Mm-hmm. Uh, you are very good to the By... Ah, this giraffe, give me the mic. Please give it to me, Zee. Timmy knows it. Oh, more. Oh, yeah, Mezzi, help me. Eh, Mezzi? Hallelujah. I think the way you acquire the fruit of the Spirit is by having faith in Christ. When you give your life to Christ, mm -hmm. the Spirit of God is alive in you. Mm -hmm. And you know, the Spirit comes with all this. Mm -hmm. You know, the fruit of the Spirit are just ways the Holy Spirit manifests. Mm -hmm. You know, it's the same Spirit though, mm -hmm. but it manifests itself through love and other fruits. Mm -hmm. So when you receive the Holy Spirit, you've received the fruits. It does not need to show physically. Remember, it's a spiritual thing. Mm -hmm. So it's your spirit. But you just have faith that you have received it. Mm -hmm. Then how do you know that you have received it? You will know now. As you give your life to Christ, you as as you give your life to Christ, faith in that in what you have done is the proof that you have received the fruit of the Holy Spirit. So I've answered the two questions, right? Mm. If you say you have answered, you have answered. Thank you. Did you see when he says remember is a spirit? <laughs> No, no. Whoever on private tell me to. Who else? I want Mr. Prince to give it a try and brag that. You know in class you always have those A students that you want to talk last. Mr. Prince, sorry please. I think you are professors now. Why is man very hard to please? Chicken. My own understanding. The All second right. question, not the first. Okay, one B. Um, the second one is how do you know that you have the, the fruit of the soul? How do you want to answer how you know when you have not answered how you acquire? Okay, sorry, answer. When you're giving your life to Christ, it's actually, it's, you have a different perspective of things. 
Okay. Because when you have the fruit of the spirit, as in giving your life to Christ, and giving your life to Christ, you have the fruit of the um, of the new being in you. Okay. Definitely, there is a difference between your old self mm-hmm. and your new self. Mm-hmm. So definitely, what you begin to see, things you do, it's a different thing entirely. That's how you know that you have the fruit of the spirit in you. You know you have answered one eight. And Joy, just to add what she, to what she said. Okay. You start manifesting. Even people around you see that say, ah, there is a difference in this person. They'll say, ah, alright. Just give it to Mr. Face. <laughs> how do you manifest the fruit of the spirit? No, no. How do you acquire? Okay, sorry. How do you acquire the fruit of the spirit? Um, this is, is actually a very deep question. It's not as simple as you're looking at it because the fruit of the spirit is actually a deep teaching of this one. Um, in a tree, the fruit has work on the tree. There are, there's the fruit, there are the leaves, there are many things on the tree. Now, the fruit is actually the, is actually the evidence of the purpose or the essence of a tree. It is still possible for a tree to exist without bearing fruit. Now, Jesus, uh, the, the, how we acquire the fruit, like most of them said, is a thing of the spirit. When you receive the spirit, you have received the ability to manifest the fruit. How does a mango tree bear mango fruit? By being planted as a mango seed. The seed is the embodiment of the future manifestation of the fruit. Now, when you receive the spirit, you receive the ability to manifest. But there is still a catch to it because it's a spiritual thing. You still have to be conscious of it. You still have to be wary of it because without the consciousness and walking in the wariness of what you have received, you might not be able to manifest it. That is one. Then how do you know that you have it? You will know that you have it if your results, if your manifest. How would a mango tree know that he is a ma- it is a mango tree by manifesting a mango fruit? You know. If you see a, an orange fruit on a mango tree, there is going to be confusion. The mango tree itself will even doubt itself if it is a mango tree. Now, it is a manifestation that will know, that will make you know. If what you are doing, your output is consistent with the features, of the word of God and what the Holy Ghost, then you know that you have it. By the fruit, you know that you have it. Praise the Lord. So if what you are producing is consistent with what? The word of God. That means if you don't know the word of God, you can't even know. Brother, please, so that we can wrap it up. First of all, praise the Lord. Hallelujah. The Bible says with the heart. Brother, please. Yeah. Daddy, Daddy say you have hit the bull's eye. <laughs> so, Bradan, please, eh? I know you like to preach. Let's help me keep it concise. Uh, with the heart, man believes. Yeah. And with the mouth, confession is made. Hallelujah. Now, you got born again. You, the, the fruit came in. We got born. You received Christ. He came with the fruit. Christ, now, you, for you to manifest it, you gave us an example this morning. I exude joy. Mm. I'm full of peace. Mm. You see, it's Brother Mese said it's faith. Mm. The life of a believer is a life of faith. Those confessions you're making, they are confession of faith. So and as you say them, you become them. You know, you don't you, 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 brother Dan figured out that um, it's a it, it's a technical question, but it's deeper in the teaching. But as a child of God, we must learn to walk by faith. Mm. We must learn to walk by faith. 
because my my believing, how do I know that I'm born again? It's the same thing. How do you know you're born again? It's my faith. I know that I'm born again. So I know that I have the fruit of the Spirit at work in me. So I can exhibit them. So I can actually love. Because it's in me. When I got born again, they all came. The Holy Spirit produces all this for me. Brother Dan has already round up. Brother Mese even did it well. But it's a life of faith. This morning you're exhibiting I'm full of joy. Mm. Yes, it's, 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 it's a life. It's a life of faith. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you so much. But please mention something that I always say. The consciousness of a thing does what? Ah, you should call us this thing now. It shows that you've been chowing word. We don't say chopping, we say chow. You've been chowing word. The consciousness of a thing does what? Activates it. And he mentioned consciousness, which is what we teach. You have this thing, if you're not conscious of it. So if you have it, you're not conscious, you won't see it. You've got to be conscious of what you have received. Praise the Lord. Mr. Dan, those fruits are a produce of the recreated human spirit. Like Mr. Prince said, it's just the analogy of the tree. They are the evidence that your spirit has been recreated. The Holy Ghost resides in you now. He is your Lord. One third of you is Holy Spirit. One third of you is the Holy Spirit. Your spirit is world to world Holy Ghost. As righteous as it has to ever be. So those things you see are the fruits. Now, the more you renew your mind. You know I said one third of you means there are three parts of you. Spirit, soul, body. You renew your mind. You see the manifestation of those fruits faster. That's where consciousness comes in. So you study the word of God, you are conscious. And that knowing, you will know. You will see it now. You will know that you have it. So they are not different spirits, like Mizzi said. They are fruits of the same spirit, one spirit. Praise the Lord. Have you been blessed? Just go ahead and begin to bless the name of the Lord. Go ahead and bless the Lord. Celebrate Jesus. Oh, praise to God. Somebody shout, He's risen. And he lives. I live. He's blessed. I am blessed. He's victorious. I am victorious. Come on, give one more time a big hand of praise to God. Hallelujah. Amen. I like you to turn to your neighbor and say, Happy Easter. Say, Happy Easter. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Amen. Glory. You may be seated. God bless you. I'd like to first of all appreciate our children. When they were speaking, I, I, I didn't know. I thought in the, in, the, in the first instance, I thought they were playing a cassette. Because the voice, the, the diction were foreign. Praise the Lord. You know our children are non-local. 
we are international. Yeah. Hallelujah. Clear, distinctive, wonderful diction. These children are going to places. Hallelujah. And our choir is amazing. I've said that our 1,000 man choir will go international. Very soon, someone said very soon. And pretty soon. We go, we'll be going for a foreign ministrations with our private church. If you believe, shout amen. Well, um, the message has been preached over and over again. Um, I have been conscripted. Um, mandated to give a very brief message today. That the message I prepared here, I'm going to give part one. Praise the Lord. They said I should give part one. Hallelujah. <laughs> Glory be to you, Lord. Amen. I, I like to talk to, to us on the power or the glory of the cross. Somebody say the glory of the cross. Hallelujah. Amen. Now, the cross has no doubt become a symbol of Christianity. When you mention the cross, when you talk about the cross, every mind goes to Christianity. Although the cross means so many things or several things, the cross actually means other things to some other people. For instance, the cross is, it gives us a symbol of health center. When you see a cross, it either means as a head center there. Or when you see cross, it means transition. Praise the Lord. And when you see cross, it gives you the symbol of Christianity. And today we are going to look at the glory of the cross. And beyond that, you know that the cross is also a symbol of faction. People wear cross jewelries or earrings or necklace as a, as a way of fashion. So it means so many things to so many people, but the focus is that the cross is a symbol of Christianity. And we're going to look at the glory and the power. Praise the Lord. Uh, so the cross, however, was not originally meant to be a symbol of faith. The cross was not originally meant to be 
a symbol of faith. It was rather designed to be a tool of punishment and execution. Today, it is a symbol of faith, but originally from outset, the cross was designed to be a symbol of punishment and execution. But why we say the glory, why this message is, is, is that the glory of the cross is, I'm going to take you on a journey on how it turns around to not be a symbol of faith for Christians. Praise the Lord. I'd like you to come with me into the book of John 19. The Gospel of John chapter 19. No, don't read for me. I pick a Christian now, you tell me that it's not there. And I start moving it. John 19, verses 17 to 20. And he, bearing his cross, went out to a place called the place of the school which is called in Hebrew Golgotha where they crucified him and two others with him one on either side and Jesus in the center now Pilate wrote a title and put it on the cross and the writing was Jesus of Nazareth, the King of the Jews. Then many of the Jews read this title. For the place where Jesus was crucified was near the city. And it was written in Hebrew, Greek, and Latin. Let us pray. Father, in Jesus' name. Thank you for the privilege to share your word. Thank you, Father, for the privilege to learn at your feet. Thank you, Father, Lord, for this Easter period. Thank for opening our eyes of understanding. Thank for giving me the utterance that will edify the people and glorify your name. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And I was saying, in the time of Jesus, it was a powerful tool, the cross was a powerful tool used by the Romans to intimidate and subdue their enemies. The Romans, during the time of Jesus, the Romans were using the cross as a weapon of intimidation to suppress people to drive fear into their heart. You know, in that, that in those days, Romans, the Roman Empire was just like the United States of America. 
So they were doing things in such a way that other people will dare not challenge them. So when you make mistake, they give you that kind of cruelty. The worst way of dying is by the cross. They did it in such a way that nobody will dare make a mistake because you know where you are going. So it was a symbol of punishment, intimidation, oppression by the Roman. Praise the Lord. But somehow, Christians have today come to accept that symbol of horror as a symbol of hope. Somebody said there's hope. Say Christ in me. The, the hope. The hope of glory. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Now, this is the question we want to, we are going to examine in today's message. Such a symbol of horror now is a symbol of glory. Hallelujah. So, like I said, I'm going to do part one today, and then we'll conclude later. So based on our book scripture that we read, that is John 19, 17 to 20, the cross represents several things, but there are four of them that stand out. Praise the Lord. Four of them that stand out based on the faith of Christianity. The first time I, to I told you, uh, the other meanings or ways of people take the cross, like a jewelry, like a head center, or like for transition. But for Christianity, it's a symbol of faith. And in this symbol of faith, cross, based on the scripture we read, has four outstanding meanings. Praise the Lord. Four outstanding meanings. Please take your pen or paper. Number one, it represents sacrifice. Based, in, based on John 19, 17 to 20, it represents what? Sacrifice. You know, on the cross, Jesus gave up his glory. He gave us the glory that he has in heaven just to come on the cross. That was why after he finished, and he was calling his son, I finally glorify me as I was in heaven. I have done the job. He had to put his glory apart to become man so he could be on the cross. That was ultimate sacrifice. The life of a Christian is based on sacrifice. We are designed to sacrifice for ourselves, for our fellow beings. Jesus sacrificed his glory to be on the cross just to save you and I. And everything that he has sacrificed for, you have in abundance. 
He sacrifices, he sacrifices glory, and that's why you are glorified. I say you are glorified. Listen to me, everywhere you go, be conscious of the fact that the glory of God encapsulates you. You are encapsulated by his glory. I can see the glory of God upon everyone sitting here. Come on, and now I'd like to tell you with confidence, you are glorious. Do not permit anybody to rate you lower than that. Or do not permit any situation in your life to make you feel that there's something that in you that was, that was not glorified, that has no glory. You are glorified. You go to places and they teach you wrong doctrine and that they say, ah, somebody is sitting on your glory or somebody has captured your glory. Nobody can capture your glory. Nobody can sit on your glory. The glory that you have is what Jesus has sacrificed for. And it is, it is, it is, it is released upon you the, way, the very day you gave your life to Christ. And from that day on, you have the glory. Praise the Lord. Except somebody say you want to say that Jesus did not do the sacrifice again. He has done it. And he has given it to you. Come on, look at yourself. Say, I'm glorious. Number two. That the cross also means it also represents shame. Jesus was humiliated on the cross publicly. Publicly. If somebody punished you inside the closet, you know the shame is not there. It was deliberately done publicly. That's how the Romans do it. So that everybody will see. In fact, the Romans, the way they, 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 if you look at the cross, and I, I will explain how his thumb uh, were nailed and then the, the, the abdomen were, well, they do it in such a way that death does not come easily. So that you stay there for days to, for suffering. Now, so the cross represents shape. He was dragged on the ground, he was flogged, he was spat upon, he was called on printable things, and he was humiliated. It was horrible. He suffered shame. But you know what? Shame will never come near your dwelling. He has finished with shame. Shame was nailed to the cross. And so that you have honor and celebration and acceptance in the name of Jesus. See, listen to me, wherever you go and you see a situation trying to turn down to a complete shameful remind yourself that you are not the object of shame. That Jesus has done it. Your is to enjoy his glory. Somebody say amen. Hallelujah. Then number three thing that it represents, I told you it represents four things. And number three things that it represents is that it represents suffering. The cross also represents suffering. It represents suffering because Jesus experienced pain 
and death on it. He suffered by crying it for carrying the cross. You know, he was asked to carry the cross by himself. At the time he couldn't carry it, he collapsed. He suffered. He suffered being nailed to the cross, both his palms, his legs. He suffered by shedding his blood on seven points. He shed his, his blood on the cross. He suffered physically on it and eventually died on it. He died on it so that you will never experience the second death. I say he died on it so that you will never
Bride is not with you. Okay, you can be passing for your bride to come, but the bride is here. The symbol of celebration is here. It is celebration time. When it is celebration time, then it is eating time. Hello. Today is Easter, and some people now will say, "Oh, I think some people say, uh, let's remember him in sorrow. Let's say, let's let's know how he suffered and That is not Jesus." Praise the Lord. He did it for us so that we enjoy the blessing. That's why this message is the glory of the cross. Praise the Lord. If you have chicken today, go eat it. Break the bones. Praise the Lord. Nobody will question you. You are you are entitled to enjoy and eat. Because God, our God, Jesus, has won the victory. Somebody say, I receive. I receive the victory upon my life, upon my household, upon my family, and it is untouchable. Come on, shout, Amen. Hallelujah. And then. This one, the fourth one. The cross represents what? Who can guess? Salvation. Hallelujah. That is the main thing. The cross represents what? Salvation. Because on it, Jesus purchased our redemption. It was on the cross that we were redeemed. It was on the cross that we were what? Redeemed. He purchased our redemption. We were rescued on the cross. We were liberated from the hands of the enemy on the cross. We were restored back to our original image with which we were created right on the cross. The payment was full and complete. Jesus paid it in full. There was nothing left. So if anybody gives you the impression that Jesus has done it and you have something to add to it, it's the preaching from the pits of hell. And that's why today we celebrate his grace. 
we are all living by his grace he has done it on the cross before he came we were in the hand of the devil through the first Adam who committed treason and bequeathed the authority given to him to Satan but Jesus came to die on the cross because the wages of sin is death instead of us dying the death he died in our place setting us free rescuing us restored us regenerated us repackaged us for the new glory and today we can lift up our hands and shout Abba Father somebody shout Amen, amen. Hallelujah the glory of the cross It was on the cross that salvation was made real. You know salvation, do you know that salvation means prosperity? Praise the Lord. It means soundness. It means deliverance. One, salvation was made real on the cross for us. So when you come into Christ as a born again, you have salvation, you are saved. It's not just saved to go to heaven. You are saved to enjoy prosperity, the blessings of God. So nobody, no power is permitted to deny you the blessings of this world. We are entitled to it. Praise the Lord. And of course, Salvation means deliverance. It baffles me. I, I, I get confused when I see some Christians who have been born again and running from one pillar to the other, asking for all finally they are looking for deliverance. Then they want to go through seven days deliverance. You fast, no drinking of water, no eating. Because you want to be delivered from certain whatever spirit or whatever. It's lack of knowledge. Every believer is delivered. The hand of the devil has been broken over your life. You see, the devil tried to make us feel as if he sit there by telling us lies by intimidating or coming to show us some horrible things in the brain or certain signs, things we believe that hold us captive that are not supposed to be we believe in certain things and the devil capitalizes on it the truth is that the devil is a defeated foe he has been what? defeated completely defeated he has no power on you and so when the devil comes around with his life, then he to get lost. In the hierarchy, in the spiritual hierarchy, you are far, far, far higher than the witches and wizards. You are seated with Christ Jesus in heavenly places, far above powers and principalities. 
So when we said there's a witch that somebody should be afraid of, you are the senior witch in the house. Others must fall which should bow to you when they see you. Now they hear me so. Say we are delivered. Triumphing over them. He has made a public show of the devil. Somebody shout, I'm free. I'm free. When you shout, you are free without conviction, you are free indeed. What did the Bible say? Said say, whoever the Son of God has set free is free indeed. Jesus has come to set us free on the cross. And whoever has given his life to him and believed that he died and resurrected and believed in him as your pastor, Lord and Savior, you are automatically set free, released from prison. In the name of Jesus. If the devil comes along and thinks you don't know that you have been free, tell him Jesus has set me free and that you are free indeed. That is, it's not just saying it, it is practically yes. It is done and done with. Somebody shout, I am free. I am untouchable. I am indestructible. I am unstoppable. I'm moving forward. I am making progress. I am getting to my destination in life. I shall fulfill my destiny. No power shall be able to stop me. Because Jesus has set me free. And I'm free today. Come on, shout amen. Hallelujah. Amen. Let me know. Hallelujah. The Roman Empire, like I said, death on the cross was not funny. Death on the cross was not what? Funny. It's not a joking matter. It was scandalous indeed, to say the least. So the purpose of the cross was to deter people from committing crime and to intimidate possible insurgents or opposition in the Roman Empire. So the cross was erected in public place so that the culprit was usually put in a position where people will laugh at him, will get him stripped naked and affix him to the cross. The offender is crucified in such a manner that he would suffer slow death for several days. And it was done publicly so that people will see and watch publicly and be afraid of ever offending the authority. It was, it was about prestige. It was about ego. 
So this is the image that the church has made. The, the Roman Empire was able to build upon the mind of the people. A slow, painful, humiliating public execution. And you know what? Jesus knew all about this. Come on, tell him. Say he knows. And he knew. He knew the characteristics of death by the cross. He was brought up in Rome. In Rome, brother. The Rome was the colony of the, uh, 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 the, the South Judea was a colony was a colony of Rome. So he knew the precept. He knew everything that has to do with dying by the cross. And he had opportunity to choose any other way. He could have chose to die by stoning. Could have chosen to die by any other thing, or by hanging, or just by jumping into the ocean. But he chose the cross, which was most horrible. Say so why? Listen to me. Hallelujah. I wrote it down here so that I don't get carried away or deviate from the point I want to make. So Jesus knew all about this. It was not a strange thing to him. He knew the slow death. He knew the beatings. He knew the scourge. He knew the humiliation. He knew the insult involved. But he chose it. How do we know that it was his choice? Matthew 20, verse 17 to 19, which we read. And then, uh, let us read one scripture. Let's read uh, John 3, 14 to 15. John 3, 14 to 15. John 3, 14, 15, he said, And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up. Just for people. That whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. As Moses lifted on the serpent, so he was the one saying this. That this John there was Jesus' statement. He knew all about it, and then he decided to foreshadow of what he was going to experience. And that was why people that were beaten by serpents, all they needed to do. It's to look up 
to the cross where the serpent, where the brazen and uh, the self-brazen serpent was made. And once you look at it, you get healed. The poison gets neutralized. You didn't do anything. You don't need to start looking for medicine of your own to heal. You don't need to start moving from one hospital to the other. It was a simple instruction. They, they made mistake, and the serpent began to bite them. And the only thing we said that look, all you need when you are bitten by the serpent, all you need that to do is to look at this the present serpent on the cross that, that Moses created. And when, once you look up to it, you receive your healing. Looking up to it is believing on the finished work of Jesus on the cross. Looking up to it is having Jesus and Jesus alone as your source of life. But as many as look up to it, we are here. But those who fail to look up to it, die. The same we are feeling today. We tell people about that Jesus is the grace that we have. Believe in his grace. Live in his grace. So, but some people want to do it by uh, their own effort. They want to add to what Jesus has done. They want to live a life of self-dependence outside God. All God wants us to do is to live and depend on Him. Depend on His righteousness. Depend on His holiness. Depend on His sanctification. For you are automatically sanctified, holy, and righteous. And that's why we shout, we are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. So Jesus knew what was his storm for him when he chose the cross. It was not strange. It was not a new thing. It is what he has prepared himself for. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. So above that, we could see that Jesus knew what was going to happen. He knew all about crucifixion. Praise the Lord. He knew he would die publicly. He knew his death would draw people to him. Praise the Lord. He knew his death would give life. Hallelujah. His death gave us life as believers. His death has given us life as believers. Like the John, uh, Numbers 21 verse 9. He said, as many as look up to the serpent on the cross, lived. So the power of the cross flows when we focus on the finished work of Jesus. You enjoy the glory, you enjoy his victory when you depend and have faith on the finished work of Jesus. Hallelujah. Jesus has done it all. We don't need or we don't have any other battle to fight. 
People who stand up and want to engage the devil in battle through prayer and fasting, they are wasting their time. Praise the Lord. It's like you starting to blow the empty air. You say you are fighting. The Bible says that devil is under our feet. Jesus bruised his head and put him under our feet. And we need to keep it under our feet by believing that the battle is over. I'd like to prophesy to somebody here. I don't know what you're going through. Believe you me, the battle is over. The struggle is over. The pain is over. Help has come. Help has come. Solution has come. Wherever you have been confused, I declare a clear understanding. I declare a clear understanding in the name of Jesus. Lord, since you have been trying, you are getting it wrong from today, the grace to get it right. Receive it in Jesus' name. Whatever you have been trying and you are getting it wrong, by the grace in the name of Jesus, receive it in Jesus' name. When you do it now, you will get it correct. In the name of Jesus, stand to your feet and give God the glory. So we continue next week. Because of who you are, we give you glory.